Hello, Romantics! I'm Sarah Gomez, author, romance lover, and host. You're listening to Romancing the Story, a podcast centered around writing, reading, and story structure, all with a twist of romance. We're at episode 66, and on today's episode, I speak with Lark Green, Lucy Lamont, and Katrina Bell about borrowing world building, collaborating characters, and making a series between multiple authors feel seamless. They released their collaborative cozy monster romance series, Horned Up for the Holidays, in December. The series takes place over Christmas as well as New Year's and another uniquely created holiday within the monster human world. The discussion took us into how the collaboration idea came about and writing together in a shared world, which was actually borrowed from Katrina and expanded upon as a collective effort. We also break down their process of problem solving and how communication worked alongside the writing. Each author discussed growing and being creatively pushed from the experience, and the ladies attributed success to leveraging each of their author strengths to make a hot and cozy series. Definitely the ladies you'd want to be in your writing group project. Links to connect with Lark, Lucy, or Katrina and find their series, as well as other media mentioned, will be listed in the episode description. If you recognize Lark's voice, you might have heard her on a previous episode about writing while working full-time. Be sure to check out that episode as well. I've dropped the link in the episode description for your enjoyment. Quick note, if you hear a dog barking in the background, that was probably mine. My two little mutts decided to get in on the action and got a little rowdy while recording, but nothing too disruptive, I promise. I am absolutely elated to continue chatting with you and so many incredible guests on the podcast. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me as I ramble and just being a part of the podcast. With that said, let's jump right in. Welcome, romance authors Lark Green, Lucy Lemon, and Katrina Bell. Yay! So I know that there's like four of us total on the podcast today. So in case listeners don't know, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and your writing? And Lark, we'll start with you since listeners might be most familiar with you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me back and for having my friends on here. Uh, so my name is Lark Green. I work as a nurse during the day and to just cope with life and everything. I write and read monster romance at night. Um, Well, I guess I have two books out now. I'm just used to saying I have one book out. I have one book, The Orc Boss, A Monster Mafia, and I have uh, Holly's and Jolly Christmas, which is the series I wrote with my friends. 
Hi, my name is Lucy Lamone. Um, I've been writing for about 10 years as a hobby as well. Uh, never published anything, but I had been in a number of writing groups, including the one where I met Katrina and Lark. And uh, in December, we released our series, the Winter Bliss Horned Up for the Holiday series. And that was my debut. So, um, yeah, I was really excited. I'd never done this before. Uh, and it went so well. We were really excited. Hi, my name is Katrina Bell. I also have two books out now, which sounds crazy. 2023 was my first year publishing, but like Lucy, um, I had been writing for many years. I think about maybe not many years, six years. <laughs> I started writing six years ago for fun during a NaNoWriMo and um, meeting indie authors in my community in Austin. Um, and then I started hosting like a write-in in Austin and at a local coffee shop. And that's where I met Lucy a few years ago. Um, then during the pandemic, I kind of um, was tired of the writing I had been doing and I wanted to get at, to readers. So I started writing fanfic and that's where I met Lark. I, I just pick up friends everywhere I go. Um, and then I actually looked at my email and it was um, almost two years ago early February two years ago is when I connected the two of them on email and said, hey, we're all writing. I noticed that we were all writing on a cadence of about one chapter every couple of weeks, and we each needed readers to help us um, edit as we go. And so I thought we could be our own, you know, alpha reader critique group. So I sort of created our little group about two years ago. So that's kind of like my writing journey has been all over the map, but it's mostly... <laughs> Uh, marked by all the friends that I've made along the way. Hey, I think that's what makes authors successful is that kind of like the friends you surround yourself with. And, and that always helps me push me as well. So I am fully on board. And I love that you ladies all kind of like collectively came together, right? To make this cute, this really nice group. And you kind of have this um, nice, like really cool series now to show for it. As you ladies were kind of saying, um, you just released Horned Up for the Holiday Series in December. Congrats. That's amazing. Um, the series is a monster romance that follows three human demon couples within the same small town during the holidays. Each novella can be read as a standalone, but it is best enjoyed together. Um, and each writer took a different novella. Now, prior to this, had any of you ladies happened to collaborate in a series or anthology before, or was this your first foray into an author collaboration? Yeah, I'll answer first, which is um, I was in an anthology in 2022. It was my first publication ever. Um, the earliest version of my first novella, Hot Button Issue, was in an anthology, a charity anthology, and that was in yeah late 2022. And so that was just such an amazing experience being able to see really seasoned and professional indie romance authors put together this massive collaboration. It was, you know, they share so freely of their knowledge and the tactics they use, marketing, the way that they organize themselves, the way that they write. It was just an amazing learning experience, you know, besides just the writing, getting to see the business from people who really knew what they were doing. Um and that was organized by Chloe Parker. Uh, she's an author. You can look her up. She's amazing. So she did a great job on that anthology. And um, it was it was such a great experience that I thought to myself, you know, one day I'd love to do something like that, an anthology or collaboration, or just be a part of an anthology, even if I wasn't an organizer. So, um, yeah, I had a really wonderful experience on that anthology. And then I guess I would say that, like, our critique group, which started also in 2022 earlier, 
is a kind of collaboration. You know, we didn't write in each other's worlds when we first started working together, but we edited together um, and we learn a lot from each other. So it it seemed natural, actually, that, that Lark came up with this idea later um, to do the Horned Up series. To answer the question, you know, it, it's the first time I've been collaborating with people, but honestly, we've been working so long together. It didn't feel like our first collaboration. Right. And I know, Lucy, you had mentioned this was kind of your first published right. piece, right? Right. Okay. This is my first published piece. But um, right as we were wrapping up um, the Horned Up for the Holidays promotions on uh, for right before Christmas, um, Katrina did throw out another anthology. And since I've never um, been a part of one, I did sign up. So we will be going into a new anthology of uh, okay. releasing in February on the 14th for Valentine's. Hey, perfect. So whether you're in the mood for like a little bit of winter bliss, like you were saying, or some Valentine's, sounds like you ladies have it all under control for the audience. Yeah. And we're we're actually both going to be writing um, like extended epilogues, uh, Valentine's themed epilogues for our winter bliss couples as part of that. Um, I think it's called the My Monster Valentine um, will be the anthology name. That's so cute. I love that. I love that too, because you really built a this wonderful, like very developed uh, world. Like you really put a lot of love. I could, I could feel it. And knowing kind of how it's seen on an editor's point of view, I've interviewed an editor for a romance anthology and also co-authors for a romance series as well. And I know how much love and care and like coordination goes with everything. So like just the breadth that you, and detail you put into all of, every little piece of this, I can feel that. And I was really impressed. It's no easy feat to kind of, kind of figure out all the coordination. And I think Lark mentioned you're in three different time zones. Is that right? Or just two. I oh, just two time zone than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that, that already adds no. another layer, right? Yeah. Um, just coordinating. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> so like it's, uh, you may be in different areas. It's all like maybe a different time zone. So, and then trying to wrangle this uh, monster romance kind of series. So how did the idea for the series and having each author take a different book come about? Yeah. So I'll answer, I'll start with this question. Um, I'd like to say it was my own original idea, but you know, there's no original idea. Well, I guess to start off, so, you know, Katrina had started doing anthologies and stuff and she'd always kind of let us know about like different ones going on. Uh, and I like the idea of like doing an anthology, but I also just, I feel, I still feel like a new writer. And I, so I was worried about like working with other writers, especially with a lot more experience and stuff. Um, and then one day I was just like perusing Amazon and I saw this like book series where it was just like, I think four authors who had written their own book. Um, and just from like reading what the blurbs I could tell like they were just like different worlds and everything because the other thing with anthologies is there's a very it seems like you know to fit all these stories into the books you have a very short um, word count that gave me the idea the series was uh sweet monster treats I think it has like Honey Phillips Ava Ross and then like two more authors in it they look they look really cute I actually haven't read them yet they're on my TBR but um so I just like the idea of like having your own stories, but like having like the same world. Um, and, you know, Katrina with her first book, it's very like cozy and sweet, but like monsters in the real world. So 
I just asked her if we could like use her world and if this was something like, you know, they wanted to do with me. I like, I didn't know I needed a cozy monster romance in my right. life, <laughs> but like I was reading it and I was just like, I kind of like, it's almost feels like a little bit of like a Hallmark town, but like a way like more spice, yeah. of course. And like a little bit of monsters thrown in. <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't know I needed this, but I definitely need this as a decompression after all the days. Yes. Yeah. So and that's kind of, it wasn't until after we had written it and I, I started thinking Hallmark and demons and it just seems like so diametrically opposed. And that's how I started actually like marketing it for ARC readers to like, Hey, we need some ARC readers. And I started kind of saying that Hallmark with demons uh, who bring the heat or something like that. And that really worked. And it was not something I had even conceptualized until after we had written it, written them. And I realized how cozy it felt but how, you know, we we also have a lot of steamy things in it. But yeah, it was really Lark's request to, um, or ask if we could set it in in my world, which uh, is is very newly developed myself. I don't have a huge series. We're, we're both only, we had only published one book before this, but my world is, um, I kind of call it the roller derby witches world. And so it's a contemporary setting in our world where monsters live among us, you know, demons, um, orcs, shifters, but it's a relatively like limited monster set. It's just a few kinds of monsters who sort of live in the world around us. And it also has a very limited magical system. So it's not, uh, they don't have really overpowering magic, but um, there is a little bit of magic. And so we've, we like that idea for a holiday romance, just kind of being a little, little more like closed together. Um, the world isn't super expansive. It's something that could exist in a, in a small, you know, wintry town. Um, and another thing that kind of developed as we we wrote our stories was um, I kind of like the idea of Winter Bliss being this sort of interdimensional nexus, if you will, between their worlds if they want. So it's it is my world, but I I think it's really cool if Lucy wants some of her characters, Sam and Sophia, to appear in a gargoyle romance, for instance, in her world. Like their gargoyles don't exist in my world, but I thought it would be kind of cool if they could exist over there, or if Az and Holly want to make a cameo and. Um, Lark's, you know, orc romance coming out in a few months or something like that. So we do, we're also leaving it kind of open to, it could be an interdimensional space, uh, get a little timey-wimey on you and <laughs> we'll see. I love how you're building your own multiverse right now. Like we're, we like, I, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that we're going to make cameos in each other's books. It's like Marvel <laughs> borrowing each other's superheroes. Um, but like it, there was a lot of attention. I, so I did see that it, it it did feel like a part of a world. And Katrina, when you mentioned roller derby, that was something I'm, I thought I'd seen on part of your books before. So that's where it kind of, rem okay. So that makes sense to me. Why, why I was like, why does this sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of, I've seen a few reviews where they're like, why is this lady roller roller skating in the winter? But I didn't have space to make her a witch, which witches are kind of my thing. And so I thought the best I could do is she needs to be roller skating everywhere she goes. <laughs> so I made it work logistically. Uh, there's heated sidewalks and all of that. But if anyone's wondering why she's rollerblading around or roller skating around, that's that's why I wanted there to have some tie into my roller derby, which is just the vibe of it. <laughs> I don't think that far ahead. It just the love is in the details for these guys, especially with the front of Katrina's book. If you like really look at like the cover and the little things you got, like Rom's bookmark and stuff. And yeah. And I just, I don't think that, I don't think that I just think like big ideas and then they like take, you know, everything and break it down into really cool stuff. 
Katrina is a master master of details. It is so true. She has the most beautiful little touches and everything. Um, And honestly, I hadn't even written in this genre when the invitation came. I had been, uh, you know, reading and editing with them uh, the two series that were monster romance, but I had only ever written fantasy or contemporary romance. And so uh, when the assignment came, it would be a demon holiday romance. I knew I'd be flexing a new muscle and I was really excited about that as well. Wow. So Lucy, how, how different was that from like writing the monster romance to like, maybe like what, maybe what's normally in your wheelhouse? I fell in love so hard. Mm-hmm. It is the best of both worlds in my opinion. Uh, contemporary, you know, you're, you're really stuck with the actual rules of this world. Things can't just appear or disappear and you can't just make up um, world building details uh, to shape your story. You really have to, it it can be very confining. Where on the other hand, you know, fantasy, I tended to get so swept up in the world building that I felt like sometimes my, uh, my characters weren't as fleshed out. And I I would lose focus on them a little bit. And so something about um, having it be a romance where the characters and their connections to each other really had to be front and center and, you know, a little bit of a contemporary world, but with enough flexibility to add on, um, you know, crazy details every once in a while. It just felt like a really free creative space. um, And I loved how it came together. I was super impressed like how much consideration was given to like these rules that you put into the world. Cause that's always kind of my thing. I'm just like, um, I I'm always curious about what are the rules of this world? And it was both you were showing us and telling us all about it. And I was just so engaged with like this little town of winter bliss and all these characters you had created your characters. Um, like I said, made cameos in each other's book. How was the small town and world building decided between the three separate separate storylines, well, we uh, we definitely started off with some stuff because we were working out of Katrina's um, world where she had we both already read and edited um, her first story, and so we knew a little bit of the details pretty well. But then we decided to put it in a neutral place somewhere we hadn't uh, she hadn't already written us a city that didn't exist. Uh, Lark gave us the idea, I believe, of Idaho because <laughs> she was familiar. And then from there, the both the geography started shaping our story and vice versa. Um, we needed uh, separate mountains. We needed uh, something that was more a little more of a luxury high end kind of space that was separate from a more local, uh, maybe a little more ramshackle mountain that we were going to have our characters on. One of the things was early on that Lark decided was she was going to have her character catfished and end up on the wrong mountain. So that meant she had a way to get her character there. But I had a very rich and snobby character that I also needed to get on that mountain and he needed to get stuck there. So something would happen like I figured out how to get him dropped there, but I need him to stay. So Mother Nature needs to come in and there's going to be an avalanche, which means congratulations, Katrina and Lark, you now need to write an avalanche into your story. And so it kind of worked like that as we're solving problems in our own stories, we're creating problems <laughs> for, for the other stories that they had um, had to work in. And that actually ended up being so fun. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever done any of the, like an art challenge where they start you with a squiggle or give you a problem and you have to kind of work it into what you're doing. I found that uh, mentally very exciting. And I think it, it made for some really creative outcomes. I love that you were solving problems and like also incorporating as part of your storyline because it did all seem to work seamlessly together. I was really surprised because they did feel like they were all part of the same world. <laughs> yeah. And because we, we swap critiques and um, every two weeks we would have video chats and we would constantly be saying, you know, the next chapter's up. Um, there was just so much, very much on the same timeline. I mean, Lucy was a little bit ahead of us. She was really like the trailblazer in a way. She wrote the snowcat scene first, which is where some of the characters get rescued. Um, and then she was a big like guiding light in in this whole like fire magic festival, which a lot of things changed a lot. So the town name actually changed um, once. The road names and different place names changed a few times. But the thing that changed the most was the Fire Magic Festival. I mean, we've probably changed the name and changed the details of what that Fire Magic New Year's Eve festival would be half a dozen times. And it was constantly like, this will work better for me if we do this. Can we please do this? Let's change the name to this instead. But it is getting into the details is important because one minor change ripples into her book, you know, or or the other, you know, anyone else's book. And so we do have to constantly be checking in on it. But being critique partners, that made it so natural because they're already going to read it anyway. Um, and a few things like one thing of mine changed even after the beta readers. There were a couple changes I had to make after beta readers because like people who will read it will know this. There's a side character, Chad. One of the beta readers was just had such a negative reaction to Chad because she kind of she just really hated him so strongly that me and Lucy like uh, went apart and we went back through all the stuff in my book and she helped me like write write it out to make it a little more logical. Some of the the snowcat scene stuff that was kind of something she had thought up and and then and then she kind of like made it consistent with the other books as well. But having all of our Google Docs open to each other. And just being just strong critique partners helps a lot with that. Um, and I also added her character, Samite, into my chapter two at kind of the nth hour. Um, and I had her go back and read it. And she helped me with the dialogue there. So um, it really is just tight, tight, tight communication. Um, and the Google Docs. We had a Google Doc on world, world building. Um, because it was my world, I kind of outlined what, in my mind, what demon world uh, building aspects there were which weren't really fleshed out because my first book, it, he was a shifter and there weren't, uh, my demon Rom was in that book, but for a very flash second, just a scene, a very sh short scene. Um, so demons had a lot that they could do. I, I wrote out what I thought they would do, but uh, the other two really helped build in a lot more of the background to what uh, demon capabilities there could be, like their fire magic particularly, and and then I started building out more mythology. So some of the mythology in, in Beastly and Bookish, my book, is something that I created during this book. I didn't really know it before. So, Well, and that's what I was kind of curious about is this, is that if you had a book Bible of some sort, and it sounded like you kind of did like in the Google Docs as far as like, because it did feel like, like you said, the New Year's Eve festival, um, that was part of like the demon, uh, the fire festival kind of. And that there were some rules as far as like being a demon and what they could and couldn't do and and what what those part like bargaining, what bargaining kind of looks like and how they bargained mm -hmm. and things like that. So there were established rules in 
the uh, in the world. And as I was reading throughout the series, I was like, these are consistent throughout. I mean, even I have a hard time keeping track of what I wrote previously. I'll be honest. <laughs> so like, I was like super impressed the way that you ladies all coordinated it so well. So you did keep it all in a Google doc and it was just like a living, breathing document. Yeah. A world building document. I'm looking at it now. It's actually 11 pages now, but I think it first started out as just two or three pages. Um, it was the top is kind of like plot tie-ins. So the, the, the timeline and specifically where the characters meet. Um, we had the timeline checklist of like which day each of the books start and, and where they connect. Um, we had a bunch of the locations written out and um, Lucy had drawn up like uh, a map before we got our map made that's in the book. She had drawn up a map of of some of the locations. Uh, we had a whole lot about that festival because that changed as we went. And then I did a whole page on mythology of Mother Darkness and the Pantheon. Um, that was kind of my thing. And so they um, thankfully, you know, kept me on track, not going too out in the wild about that because I was really into the mythology stuff. Yeah, we had it's 11 pages long and um, there's quite a lot in there. So if anyone made a change, like say um, Lark said she wanted to update a piece, like saying like, okay, my characters are going to be at this fire festival and he's going to be throwing jars of money, in, you know, into this fire. Like, is that something mm -hmm. that would be updated? Like Lark could update and she would tell you ladies about, or is that something you just uh, like check every, every day and just know? Well, it was nice because they had their chapters out before mine. So I could just read theirs and be like, okay, I got to make sure I do this, this, and this. Um, I think if there were, I know with, um, them, they were kind of talking more actively, like, Hey, I was thinking about for this scene, my character does this. Are you okay? If your character does this, I think there was a lot of like courtesy where we were like checking in with each other. Um, we have like our own personal discord. So like if someone was actively like editing a scene or working on a scene, they're like, Hey, Katrina, thinking about Noel, like saying this, is that cool? And then you know, Katrina would like go in later and be like, oh, well, actually, it's more fitting for her character to do this, this and this. So I guess it was kind of like a living, breathing document, even w while we're working on our chapters. Yeah. And then because, again, critique partners, we would then hand off the chapters. And so um, say, you know, Lark's goes up last. I've already written a scene that in, um, includes some of those details. So then I'm highlighting like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, this is what happens in mine. Uh, this doesn't match up. But that led to some really uh, funny outcomes as well. So Katrina already mentioned Chad, a very minor helper character I had written in my first draft. He had very little to do except for give them information about uh, when that snowcat would be coming. But by the time I read Katrina's version of it, he has become... Noel's ex and you know he changes from a human to a demon to a human so we have to start cleaning up some of those details and I'm cackling because all of a sudden Chad is someone I hadn't originally imagined but now he has this life and and on that call we're like okay Lark he has to be in your book too this is one of those moments he's going to be in everybody's book and we had a few of those where we decided um, I think you know we were already thinking horns and horned up for the holidays but there's a scene in mine where the demon horns really come into play in uh, in one of the spicy scenes. When I read Lark's and she had done something very similar, then the assignment went to Katrina. We have to have this in all three books. And so we did have those moments 
that I think helped it feel more cohesive too, because we decided all of us were going to do um, something in the same vein. It was like a, hey, I want to do that. <laughs> you got to do that in your mm-hmm. book too. Like the hot spring. Yeah, it's cool because it's like, you know, sometimes you hear horror stories of, oh, this person stole my idea um, of whatever. Whereas we're writing three series that are snowed in forced proximity, demon human in the same city with similar phrases. Uh, like what Lucy was mentioning is we all use the phrase, which I don't know if any readers even caught, hold on tight, quote unquote. We each use that in a spicy scene, um, but we do it in a friendly way because each of our stories is completely unique. You can share the same tropes and themes. You can share so much of the same thing and have completely different stories. And I think that's a cool thing, hopefully, that we can show people is that it's very hard to steal someone's idea um, if it's if it's just an idea, because you really make your own idea your own when you write the book. Oh, absolutely. Because that was something I did notice, like reading throughout the series, was that there were similar elements, but you ladies each put your own different spin on it. So like they were three unique like story, like stories, basically, even though they had the same type of tropes and or themes, like you were saying, Katrina. And did you ladies actually, when you were going into it, look into like having certain tropes, like either sharing them or taking them on? So like when I, like I said, I'm a newbie writer still, uh, when I usually start a book, I I like to think about the characters first, like what is it that they want in the story? What's actually, you know, the character flaw that they're missing to make them a complete person. Um, and then I think I kind of decide the trope from that. I mean, there are certain tropes I think that I still use, like, I really like grumpy characters grumpy guys that's something I think I always use and it's it's funny too because like you know even though there's all these same ideas same tropes even when you think you're executing it like how people expect it uh, like for example you know I consider my characters like the grumpy sunshine characters but I had um like a lot of people in the reviews say like oh I would consider them both grumpy grumpy which I mean I you know when I think about it too like uh, the female character she's pretty like pissed off in the beginning rightly so so yeah it's just it's it's interesting how even when you like think about it's going to be a certain way it's not meeting people's expectations or it's meeting it in a different way and they you know still really like it because it's new I'm just going to throw this out too Lark something that actually struck me that I I didn't necessarily see called out as a trope but I was just like it's a mount he's a mountain man (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, listen, I'm always down for a mountain man. So. Yeah, especially when they have horns. mountain demon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is that like a collective effort? You were like, okay, we're all going to do Snowden trope. Let's take our own spin on it. Yeah, and I love me a good snow Snowden trope. I will read that all day, every day. So mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. fact that you all like did a little differently on it was, like you said, kind of Katrina. It's it isn't so much the trope; it's how you're how you're utilizing it, right? we all have our unique voices. And so like we can share, we can share the tropes. We can all play with them. <laughs> yeah. And and my character existed um, before in, as a figment of my imagination, but in, in a small scene in my first book. And so I knew that he was a demon who owned a coffee shop and loved books. That was all I knew about him. But writing the, writing the story, I started, I, I didn't really know him that well. And then when I started writing it is when I as I started writing, I thought, oh, this feels very, the first chapter, uh, actually the second chapter 
started feeling very Beauty and the Beast, like uh, Noelle being a small town girl, the, this beautiful like librarian who is running around town and she knows everyone. And I really, I knew who she was. I, I wanted her to be very bubbly and extroverted, but scatterbrained. And so as she was doing that, I was getting very much like a bell vibe of, and so I started writing in some little um, bits of that. And then I thought, let me just make him more of a beast. And so I went back and I, I made um, him having scars being like a very big part of his insecurity. So that was all built um, within the first couple of chapters, but really by writing. So I'm kind of a planter in that way. Um, but I think leaning into the beauty and the beast was helpful for me because it's a trope I love. It's one that I always seek out. And I knew um, once we got to the marketing part, I was like, I'm going to push this Beauty and the Beast stuff. And also that he's a male bookstagrammer, basically, bookish person. I thought that would be kind of fun because he's very cinnamon roll type, uh, very sweet person. So those were the tropes I really um, leaned into the most, I think. Yeah. Whereas I think, so we all got the same assignment. I think we all still looked at it a little differently when we were going to do a Snowden um Force proximity, I started really kind of, uh, and demon, I really kind of hyper-focused on that. So um, my story starts on the mountain, focuses on the mountain. And it really wasn't until I'd read uh, several of Katrina's chapters that the town really even appeared in my head. It was just so far removed. I was like, this is forced proximity. They are they are in there. There's no escape, guys. You have to get together. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I think we all still approached those tropes or those, those limitations or, I guess, uh, concepts a little bit differently. And for me, because, again, I hadn't written in this genre, I was just so excited to like kind of flesh out a demon character and I'm like what would they like what would they do what makes it really exciting that they're a demon and what would they specifically have that human would be very attracted to and so that's how I end up with my uh pyrophiliac uh female chef who loves to cook with open flame is because um I felt like that was a very natural connection then to a demon to a character that where flame and fire is also very important yeah, it was it was very interesting to kind of read the series from different perspectives, like kind of similar tropes across, like you were saying, but like each had a different take. And I felt like each protagonist's journey kind of painted a be better picture of what was important to them. Uh, kind of like you ladies were saying, like the goals, their motivations, who they were as a character um, and within the narrative of this whole series as a whole. Um, each story still felt like a piece of the larger picture of this cozy winter romp of monster romance. Um, when managing the continuity of the series, we talked about establishing rules, which you ladies kind of did. You were talking about in the Google Docs. Did you specifically go into it saying like, okay, we want like this, like light, cozy, hallmarky, but with extra spice um, tone or style in the development of your series? Um, somewhat, I would say we knew it, it would be a small town holiday romance. That's kind of how Lark to told it to us. And so I was like, great. So I did actually, I started thinking of ho holiday romance um, movies and TV shows. So I think we were all starting from that perspective and then having that Google Doc of the world building that we built out as we went helped with the rules. Um and leaning again on like each of us having our own strengths with the story as it fleshed out is probably important because I think um, I had the basics of the world building, but I think Lucy really built out a lot of 
this demon, the way demons think and act. And then I know that, you know, Lark and I inserted more of that into our characters um, because I knew Rom looked like a demon, but he didn't act like a lot of the demons. And um, so I used a lot of the way that she had her character, Sam, I think as, oh gosh, I need to add that into to mine too. So she really helped with the demon world building um, and establishing those rules. We just sort of built off of that. Whereas she mentioned like the town was very well formed in my mind, the small town. Um, and so I had, you know, old Ethel on the corner and all these other people in my mind who she knew, the realtor, um, all this kind of stuff. So in my mind, there were tons of all these side characters and and I, I was happy to let them utilize them as they needed. And then I think Lark had this kind of her couple was so cool because Holly is of the of the female leads. Holly is the only one that's new to town and she's not even really new to town. She's actually like trying to escape the world. And so is as. And so they have that really like forced proximity in a cabin to people trying to escape the world. Um, And I think that was really nice because it was just it was a very emotional story, too. So um, each of us having our own unique tone and style and voice was great but we did work together to stay within those rules of what a demon is really a lot of it was focusing on how demons work um how their brains work you know like instincts that might fire off in them at different points so that was really the only thing we kept tried to keep as consistent as possible because it's the fantasy aspect that needed to be uh well thought out i do think one other uh one other area where we did a little bit of calibrating if you've read um, Orc Boss, uh, Lark definitely has a an ability to go, oh, I think, darker maybe than either of us do. And so we did a, a little bit of a cozy romance, cozy romance, because there was some great stuff in there. But uh, to manage the tone, we didn't try and copy each other's tone. We allowed for a difference of tone, as uh, and Holly are definitely different than Rom and Noel, different than Samite and Sophia. That's fine. And each can have their own little take. But just a kind of larger outer boundary of the general holiday romance, we I think we pushed each other a little bit back into that if needed. Yeah, especially with like my story. It's so funny because I came to them and I was like, I want us to write a cozy holiday romance. No angst, no issue. And then seriously, as I was working on my chapters, I was like, you guys, I help. I cannot like you know, basically write in all these problems for these characters and everything. And I guess, you know, with this experience, I've learned that I really do like to, you know, integrate like, you know, the tone of like mental health into my characters and everything and into the story. So it was nice because with um, Katrina and Lucy, they helped me come up with ideas because like it, it was a lot more serious in the beginning and they were able to help me kind of like pull it back and still make it like still like keep you know that mental health theme with like my characters but still make it a cozy romance and that's kind of what where I was kind of going for because I know Lark you kind of put I think in the beginning of yours it has like very slight angst but like in the very beginning and I was just like ooh, because I remember reading the orc boss and being like I, I know you have the you have the talent to go darker if we need to go darker <laughs> so but I do love that all, all of you ladies actually pulled together and used, utilized your strengths to kind of help coordinate and make this world as best as it could be and as well-established and, and feeling as lived in as it really does with all the characters. So um, 
As authors, we know the characters or even plots can have a mind of their own. We start writing a story and it takes a different direction than intended. Uh, I think, Lark, you were talking about that. Try to be light and cozy, but then you're just like, well, a little angst never hurt nobody, right? (laughs) Just light, just light, right? Still Hallmark vibes. Um, But it can work out for the better in the story. Um, Did any of your stories ever change from the original plan? And if so, how is that managed in context with the other stories? Yeah, I mean, mine was the ending. So the ending for me wasn't super clear at all. I'm I'm a bit of a planter. I know where the emotional ending is. And I knew it was going to be a declaration of love to the other person because part of they had a very light miscommunication trope, my two, where they thought the other person surely couldn't be interested in them, uh, even though obviously they were. So I knew my climax had to be they both had to admit their love. Not all not all happy endings work that way. But this these two, it had to be that way because they were childhood sweethearts as well. So um, the idea was that second chance at first love. And so I wanted that the happy ending to be very big. And it ended up, um, I had a totally different idea. I thought it would be at this silent hour feast, which is a whole nother thing in the world building that we didn't even get to. Um, but as Lucy was writing her book and we were talking more about this fire magic festival and the volcano going off and stuff. And I was just like, that's where it has to happen. You know, fireworks, volcano, obviously that's the that's the climax for me. And I had already read or seen where they were going with their climaxes. And I knew they weren't even going to utilize the fire magic festival. And so I thought I have to do it. Like it just seemed perfect. So that was one of those things where seeing where theirs was going and knowing mine didn't have a discrete end. Like I was able to just slot them in, in this perfect thing that we, we created, but we didn't really utilize the festival until I realized like my climax needs to happen there. So that was one that was cool. It was it was cool part of the collaboration, but it was also part of me being a bit of a, a planter um, where I, I knew what they needed to do, but I didn't know how to do it until I had finished reading their books. Well, and that's always like, that's always kind of my curious, curiosity point because I know sometimes like I've talked to several authors who say like, sometimes the characters just, do their own thing. And I have a plot, I have an idea what I want to do, but then it kind of shifts. It kind of evolves as I'm writing. So, but that's really awesome that you ladies have each other to lean on. And it sounds like you were kind of creating that in real time. So it was kind of like ever evolving with all of you on board at the like same time. So that if you needed to shift a little bit, everything kind of shifted with it. Yeah. And then we went through kind of that same process again when we gave it out to beta readers. We had an actually huge beta reading group, a team that uh, read through all of them. And we all got feedback on what what didn't quite line up for people um, and where our individual stories could change. And so for mine, one of the biggest changes um, or one of the biggest call outs was a time jump that I have, um, the two days that kind of disappear and then I, I go back in time which wasn't uh, universally well received. <laughs> so I had to uh, I had to rethink how I was going to do that. And that was one of probably the biggest edits um, that I had to make, which the time jump remains, but where it breaks and where it comes back changed. And I think it, it really um, helped readers to feel like they had resolution on one scene before I started messing with time for them. Yeah, our our beta readers were just like absolute lifesavers. I don't think a lot of people would think it's a great idea to have a beta reading team as big as we did, which beta readers, you know, provide constructive feedback. They provide a lot of comments. It's a lot of work to read through it, consider it, 
um, all of that. But we we actually had 40 people sign up and then we ended up having around 20 people fully finish. But more than that, you know, had half finished or finished one or something. So it was a huge amount of feedback, but our beta readers really saved our butts. You know, I think in a shared world, it was really good idea to have a bigger beta reader team because they ever, it felt like every reader saw caught something slightly different um, or had a slightly different, like negative or super positive reaction to something. And so it, either way, it helps us a lot identify, okay, could we tweak that to tone it down a bit? Or could we use that to be a really good, um, you know, firework moment that we could utilize in marketing later. So uh, definitely like shout out to the beta reader team. Um, I think on a shared series, they can be really crucial to a writer. Well, that is an excellent point. I didn't even think of that, that since there are three different offers, authors um, with this series, and it's such an in-depth collaborative world, you would probably want a better, a bigger beta team to kind of help you kind of catch all those little things because everyone's going to have a little different interpretation. That is really surprising, but like in, but it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. By the time you sent out the books to readers, how long was that process for the editing? I have it all written out. I actually, oh, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll tell you guys. Katrina, I'm like I love all, so. you. I love tracking stuff. You have no uh, idea. Yeah, I'm like very <laughs> I like spreadsheets. <laughs> I love, I love. So it all started with Lark came to visit us in May, um, in May in Austin, because that's where um, Lucy and I live. So she came to visit us. We went to visit my friend. Like we, we did a lot of stuff for a few days and we brainstormed this idea of a series of a holiday demon series. So we brainstormed it in May, but we started um, and we were just kind of like lollygagging around talking about it. Um, but it was Lucy who was like, guys, I'm a slow writer. We got to do, I, I got to get on a calendar. She's even more organized than me. So she set up this calendar and started writing it out and starting in early June and said, if we start in June, we're just going to be able to finish in time for, to do this the right way we want to do it, which is we don't want to just throw it out into the world with no you know, proper editing and stuff. So she realized that if we start in June and we do one chapter a week through mid-September, then we would have essentially a novella. So every week, one chapter until September. If things happen and you can't do a chapter a week, just do two chapters. Or So we really kind of kept up on each other with that and our regular meetings helped with that. So that was June through mid-September. So what what is that? Three and a half months. Um, and my book is, I think, 15 chapters. So that kind of works out about right. Um, Lucy's had an epilogue, so she added that. But basically, that's what it was. Three and a half months, a chapter a week. Pretty much early October is when we sent it to our beta readers. And we gave um, our beta readers three weeks to read it. Um, and I thought, foolishly, oh, that means I'm going to have three weeks to work on marketing and like do social media. Incorrect. From from day one, when, when you have a team of 40 people, from day one of beta reading through all those three weeks, I was editing constantly. I was constantly chatting with them in our Discord. We had a beta reader Discord. It was just a lot of iterative editing through all those three weeks. Every time they read, um, it was super awesome. It was just actually a great experience. Um, and so we gave them three weeks. And then I we also buffered an extra week at the end to do final cleanup edits. Um and then after that, we gave it to the proof editor that we had. So she wasn't doing like really detailed line edits. By that time, we had had so many people reading it, including each other, who uh, were pretty good editors ourselves, that we chose to just do a proof edit. And, and that editor got it done in two weeks. 
Um, and from there, we gave our creators that that gave our creators, I think, two and a half weeks until go live date. But we weren't really like strict with our creators. So I would say, you know, it sounds like we gave our, our creators two weeks, but really we gave our, our creators four to six weeks to whatever. You know, we're kind of just like, get it out in December if you can. <laughs> so so that was the timeline. It was um, it was kind of thanks to Lucy realizing like, guys, we can't just just brainstorm anymore. We got to start writing in June. That's when we realized the week by week progression. Yeah. And I think I love their type A brains. Like they were able just to like take this idea and like break it down into like digestible chunks. And honestly, that's why we got, you know, this project done and it was so well organized. I mean, can I just mention that the beta, (laughs) the beta team docs were color coded (laughs) Like I could never, there were Excel sheets. Like it's, it's so great. It's so great. Like I wish I went to high school and college with them because we would have gotten A's on all our reports and I would have just put my name at the top. <laughs> and, and I think, and I can see that actually, because it seems so polished by the time, like when I was reading through it, I was just like, it felt like it, like I said, kind of seamlessly all went together in this same world. I mean, I can't brag about it enough. It, it was just so well well coordinated and well done between all you ladies. So like, I mean, you should definitely like pat yourself on the back. That was fat. It's fabulous. It really is. Um, and something that, so Katrina, I know you mentioned that there was like a chapter or two every week. So you ladies, were you writing a chapter and then reading it to each other or sending it to each other to read? every week is yeah shared, shared google docs mm-hmm. yeah okay. so we have a discord server of just the three of us and the goal was one chapter a week and then we meet via video uh chat every two weeks so twice a month uh, we'd meet in a video chat and so the I, the the goal is by the video chat date every two weeks read whatever they had done before so usually for me to keep it fresh in my mind i would actually kind of wait until the day or two before um, we were going to have a video chat to do my edits, like to read through and fully edit. So it's not like I wasn't editing f- that whole time. I would edit the two days or so before we had our video chat to give them enough time to read it as well and come up with questions. But yeah, that's kind of the idea is just every two weeks we edit whatever the other the other two had written in the last couple of weeks. And then we come into our video chat fresh with questions like I would have questions as a reader each of them would have questions as a writer for for us as readers. So we're kind of our alpha readers, but we're also critique partners because we're being writers, we edit as we go. So we would suggest line edits as we went. And this is the beauty and importance of why you, everyone should have critique partners, <laughs> some kind of writing cohorts. So. <laughs> it's just absolutely magical. Yeah. I mean, it's when you find the right fit and it is hard to find the right fit, you know, so I would don't, don't feel discouraged if you haven't found the people that kind of like work for your style, your your genre, whatever. The, those people are out there. Um, and I do think, you know, just keep keep looking, keep searching, keep volunteering to beta read for other people and, and you'll find the right, you know, the right person or, or people that will be that group. Well, and I love how, how you ladies all work together and like knowing your strengths and kind of utilizing those strengths. And it kind of, it worked really well together. So it sounds like it was fun, though. I mean, maybe a little like intense, but fun. <laughs> yes, I know it, it was, was so fun. Both of those. <laughs> and I think, yeah, um, if you're going to grow as a writer, letting other people critique your work um, and and developing not only um, a slightly thicker skin, but the skill of hearing feedback and of rejecting feedback. 
Um, the stronger you get in both of those, the more you learn your own voice. And I think that's part of what's made us good friends as well, is understanding that I can give line edits and they can reject them. And I can be happy for them that they felt really confident in what they had. No, thanks. And I'm like, good. I'm glad you went with what felt right to you, but I'm always going to have to operate my point of view. And so I'm going to tell you what I think might be better here. Please always reject it if it it doesn't work for you. And I think the more comfortable we've gotten and more practiced we've gotten at that is what has made our critique group so strong. And that's super important because that's, you know, that was one of the best ways I found that I can not only learn my strengths as a writer, but other people's strengths as a writer too. And that's what I've kind of always heard is that ask your critique partners. If you don't know what your strengths or weaknesses are as a writer, ask your critique partners because they can help you figure that out. But now you have this Brie Novella series to kind of show for all your efforts, for all your work. Where can listeners find your books and how can they connect with you? And we'll start kind of the way we started last time, Lark. Yeah, so um, our books are on Amazon, um, Kindle Unlimited. Uh, there's also other sellers that have our books, like Barnes and Noble. I think this winter, I think that the Winter Bless is on there as well. Um, and you know, if readers want to follow me, you can just go to my website, authorlarkgreen.com. Um, you know, it has links to all my socials and then also my newsletter. You can sign up there. Yeah, um, my website is lucylamone.com and you can find the link to my newsletter there. And on Instagram, you can find me at lucylamone.books. Yeah, um, my website is katrinabell.com. I'm on most social medias, but Instagram the most regularly. It's where I enjoy scrolling or doom scrolling or whatever. Um, And that's just katrinabell on Instagram. I'm also somewhat on, on TikTok a little bit. Um, but pretty hopeless at it. I mostly just repost and, and try to understand. Um, so if I don't know the rules of a TikTok engagement, you know, don't come at me. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing over there. And the other thing I will mention is that I run an Etsy shop. So when we first came out, we did a special book box that's been sold out now. But I do still have in stock uh, copies of Beastly and Bookish, which come with all the same swag that the book box would come with. Or um, I'm selling the swag pack only of like, uh, character art of uh, Lucy and Lark's characters, uh, especially the demon. I call them the demon pinups. They're just the really uh, beautiful images, illustrations of our heroes. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Katrina Bell Romance on Etsy if you want signed copies of my book or any of the art and stickers that we designed to go with the Winter Bliss series. Oh, that's awesome. And did you ladies actually collaborate on the art too? Did you, does that how something like that was something I, I meant to, to call out too? Cause that artwork is just beautiful. Like on the covers, like I, I just, I'll, I will randomly go back in my, in my app and just look at the covers. Cause I'm just like, it's so pretty. Yeah. And I even line up, um, actually like in our, in an original order, we kind of had thought, which is my book first, then, um, Lark's book, then Lucy's. If you put the, the paperbacks together, the background will line up all the, all the mountains actually match up. I do not have the paperbacks, but I may have to get them now <laughs> just to do that because that is- we encourage people to get it. There's also art inside the paperbacks. So it's not in the eBooks because it makes the file a little bit too large. Well, there's, there's limited art in the eBooks. There's one or two pieces in each eBook, but um, in the paperback, like in my paperback, there's five full page um, black and white art 
art spreads of, of artists that we commissioned. So definitely encourage people to buy the buy the paperbacks. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Thanks so much to Lark, Lucy, and Katrina for joining the show. If you like this kind of content, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you're the first to hear new episodes when they drop. And if you get a chance, feel free to leave a review. It helps support the show and allows more opportunity to bring in all kinds of fantastic guests. There's also a link to the YouTube channel in the description if you'd like to see the interviews with some of the guests and see them show off their lovely books. As always, stay safe, be well, and keep writing. Bye!